0: Not every queer person, not every person of color wants to tell them their marginalization experience.
1: If there was no gender role, the only thing we could be is a human being, what would you do differently if you wouldn't identify with one of those gender
2: identities?
3: Don't feel excluded is the most important thing.
2: And welcome to the first ever episode of TSH Unrivals, the podcast in which we unravel society, one topic at a time. My name is Amber Westerborg, I'm the host of TSH Unravels, and I am excited to get started. Now, this podcast was created from the desire to learn. Like many companies, the student hotel closely follows what happens in the world. And we were wondering, what is our role in all of this? How can we create a better world and have a contribution in all of that? Should we protest? Should we post that infamous black square on social media? We don't have the answer right now, and we probably will not for a long time, but we figured a good place to get started was to sit down with experts and just talk to better understand what is happening, to educate ourselves, and then look at how can we in turn take action? And we figured if we're gonna do that anyway, then why not share those conversations with our community? Because we have a feeling that you might also be interested in learning more and thinking about how you can take action. In this first episode, we're unraveling representation with more and more focus on the need for diverse representation in the media, on the work floor, and in all other industries. We want to better understand what representation is and why it matters. And we found three speakers who are all experts in their own right. They're either working on creating more awareness or changing the status quo. Now, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Hajar Fallah, media expert at Women Inc., Baba Touré, founder of Hammerfest, and Remco Bokselaar, founder of Corporate Queer. Guys, could you uh, maybe quickly introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about uh, what you do, what company you have founded or work for? And I'm also very curious to hear what was the lesson that you learned this week? Remco, maybe start with
0: you. Well, my name is Remco, Remco Boxler. I'm the founder of Corporate Queer, which is a platform for LGBTI professionals. And actually, I always say everyone with an open mind. We try to challenge heteronormativity in business So the belief that there are only two genders, men and women, and that you're attracted to the opposite uh, gender. I believe there are much more gender identities and much more sexualities. And that's what we're trying to get across via training programs, creating content, doing a lot of interviews online. uh, So a lot of social media. So I think representation is indeed an important topic to talk about. My Most important lesson, I believe, this week is a lot of people are struggling with they, them pronouns. I use he, him, but also they, them as pronouns. I identify sometimes as male, but I also sometimes present myself quite feminine. So I do do not always need my gender in that way. But for people, especially in the Dutch language, To use they, them or in Dutch, die deans or hen hun is quite a challenge I've seen. But we're growing as a non-binary community and I see changes happening. So I get a lot of requests nowadays on specifically like inclusive language. And I think that's really, really empowering.
2: Wow. Very good to hear. I think it's also very interesting that you say, I don't always need my gender. I don't think I've ever very consciously thought about whether I need my gender, but I think that's a very nice
0: description. Yeah. To give you one example that maybe helps, but I sometimes wear makeup and then for example, going into the men's uh, toilets, I do not always feel safe to uh, put up my makeup there but on the other hand, going to the women's toilet, sometimes I've been embraced in such an exotic way that it also felt different there. I'm just human trying to go to the bathroom and, and make myself more pretty, which I like to do.
2: Yeah, everyone should feel pretty. Yeah. Thank you. Baba, could you tell a bit more about your company and what your lesson was of this week?
3: I founded Hammerfest and Hammerfest is a social creative agency. So we are like advertising agency, but specialized in social media and we develop content and campaigns. And when developing content and campaigns, often agencies are using stereotypes. We also use stereotypes. However, we are really aware of the fact that we are using them and we are really focusing on inclusive communication. And helping brands making the shift into more inclusive communication. Uh, Lessons learned from this week. I think it was more confirmation of something I already knew. It's about perspectives and making sure that you have different perspectives involved when developing campaigns. Because we were busy with uh, developing a campaign in regards to a certain topic. Everyone in the Zoom call, of course, had an opinion in regards of uh, poverty, in this case. But I thought, okay, we are all advertising people with a certain wage. And do we have that same perspective as uh, some people have? So that's what uh, that's, that was really my lesson learned uh, from this week.
2: Yeah, suddenly realizing that saying, well, I can imagine it's like this is not necessarily the same as fully understanding and, and trying exactly. to work on creating those different perspectives. Yeah. Nice. Well... Thank you and happy to have you here. And Hajar, you work at uh, Women Inc. Could you tell uh, us a bit more about what you're doing? My name is uh, Hajar Fella, and I'm an
1: expert in uh, imaging and representation in the media. Women Inc. is an interest group for women. We strive for a society wherein it does not matter for your chances if you are born as a boy or girl or if you identify as a woman or man, so that the uh, chances of women increase. And we do that on different domains or teams. We do different things. We make campaigns. We use talk shows, sometimes guerrilla movements, festivals and lobbying so that these teams will be picked up by uh, the politics and uh, corporate life and the media, of course. My biggest lesson learned this week what I find interesting is we are doing a research on the impact of algorithmic bias for the position of women in the labor market. What I've learned is we have to be so aware of the bias we have, the conscious and the unconscious, to make this world more equal and more fair. Because at this moment, the ideas and the input of data we have, which are mainly in corporate life and in the labor market, are Uh, white men. In this implicit form of using this, these data, we should be aware of the diversity we have in society and if that is equally represented in the data. So that's my biggest lesson.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, I have to say my biggest lesson learned, it was very much in light of preparing for this podcast. We were given some inspiration to help us prepare on the topic. And there's a video on YouTube where you can test whether you're a racist And it was an exercise where you needed to clap your left leg and your right leg. And then left was if you saw a Dutch name and right was if you saw a migrant name and then they switched them. And then they also added bad words and good words. And basically the outcome of the exercise clearly showed that everyone has those biases in their head. So when you have to uh, associate good wording with uh, migrant names, that is actually very difficult to do in your head because of the imaging and the representation that you have in the media, for example. And of course, I thought, not me. I have a father from Suriname, so I was like, yeah, no, I've, I'm I'm raised different and I should be fine. But still, you notice something goes wrong in your head and your arms don't work with you in some way. But then luckily, when I heard, the first thing that you think is what you're taught and the second thing you think is how you actually feel. And so that gave me a little bit of hope because I was like, okay, even though I messed this assignment up, I know that I am not necessarily racist in my thinking. It's just what you've been taught and what has to do with representation versus what you then actually do yourself. I look forward to uh, to diving into the topic of representation uh, with you a bit further. But before we do that, we had actually another assignment. We also wanted to know how our community feels about the different topics that we're going to discuss in TSH Unravels. And And so last week we checked in with some of our community members in the hotels to hear how they feel about representation and whether they think it's more important what role models do than how they look. We asked them if you had to choose, would you go for Superman or for Wonder Woman? And that was the conversation starter. And we've made a little compilation of what was said back to us. So let's have a listen.
0: I had to choose probably Wonder Woman. Superman. Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Superman. Wonder Woman. Superman. She's a female icon, so there's always that power that comes along with that. Because I don't want to stare at a man all day. Uh, I feel like with the whole feminist movement, it's important to kind of feel empowered by females. And especially like when I was smaller, like I would always look up to her. Us men have enjoyed privileges for long enough and uh, it's time for Superwoman.
2: Because I'm a girl.
0: (laughs) For me, a person is defined by his actions. Absolutely what they do. Uh, no, it's what they do. Actions, overlooks, any day. I'm not consciously doing it, but I think it's very true that it is so that you just relate more so to people that look like you or, or do like you. People connect with people that they feel safe around. If you think that a role model is someone that you can associate with or affiliate with, they could be someone which you might connect to. So I don't think it would matter whether they look one way or another. It's about emotional connection, I think, at the end of the day.
2: First reactions.
0: I was happy that some guys also said Wonder Woman. I am, of course, against the binary, so I wouldn't <laughs> choose either of them, but. I'm wondering, like you asked this question to the students, right? Yeah, so students,
2: uh, co-working members, uh, also to some of our colleagues, everyone who wanders the hotels, basically.
0: What I see usually is that our generation is much more open to learn about their own biases and to break through the, the glass ceiling, so to say. But actually, if I what I mostly do is talk to management teams where a lot of white straight men are represented they mostly feel threatened because um, their position is at stake. And I think that's true because if we now with all our diversity are going to go towards that boardroom, they either have to create extra chairs or give up their seats. So yeah, I can imagine that they feel threatened. It's about them and it's about their privileges and we want to create an equal workplace, but now it's not.
2: No. And I think, well, what you, what you're saying, what what you're saying definitely resonates. So we, I think we spoke to about 15 people. I don't remember exactly, but we all started off with Superman, Wonder Woman. And then, um, the, the interesting thing was, uh, and it's also a lesson for us to learn, but actually the most interesting conversations we had were actually once we stopped recording, Uh, because then we would explain to them what the podcast was about. It was interesting that uh, initially everyone seemed to be doing what we thought they would do. I mean, there were some exceptions. If you listen closely, there were some of the guys who instantly said, Wonder Woman and men have had privileges for long enough and we need to switch. And then they actually caught us off guard a little bit because we're like, oh, that's not, no, that's not how we did it in the script. But um, you could tell that they were a lot more aware of, what we were trying to do and what it means indeed and and why we would choose um, uh, uh, superheroes and and how their thought process was.
1: I would prefer um, a superwoman who is rescuing uh, the little prince or something like that, that the the mainstream (laughs) uh, stories and fairy tales, we see that we turn them around so that we see that women can also be uh, not only superwoman, but also saving lives of men who needs help and uh, the other way
2: around. So yeah, you're taking the story even further. I uh, Yes, I think it's time to do that. Yeah. Well, so to give you a little bit of background, we were looking for some conversation starter. And it was actually quite difficult because if you, for example, would choose politicians, then people might wonder whether it had to do with their political colors or if you indeed chose uh, a Dutch person versus an international person. So we try to keep it as simple as possible. And then it, we really thought of, OK, what does that us it's either superheroes or disney figures or princesses because they have like the most harmless context so we went for the superheroes but yeah there were definitely also uh, men and women who were like well uh, i think it's time for a different story and they could they could be doing more than just uh, fighting crime and i think one was even like i'm not sure if they're heroes they're vigilantes i was like that's also not the direction that we were going but we'll figure it Uh, out. And
1: I don't think, and I don't think fairy tales and, uh, and Disney stories are harmless as the way we see them now, because uh, women have a very particular stereotypical and uh, passive role in all of these stories. And the girls, they consider themselves, they should be a princess who is only uh, taking care of her looks and the boys are the rescuers and can be everything they want. So I think the real impact, begins in a very young age in in the education systems and in stories we show them and we tell them.
2: So even our our superhero uh, statement wasn't that harmless then. Okay, we'll keep it in mind for the next one as well. Um, Bobby, you also wanted to say something?
3: Yeah, I just, uh, it was a little bit similar to what I just said, but I think that role role models are really important in all aspects. So uh, superwoman, wonder woman, everything, superman, uh, wonder man, But they they are really important, especially for kids. Because I think that also the students, they are on an age that they can be and should be aware of their biases. And I think that when you're a kid, you don't even have them or you are still developing them and you have them, but you can't be aware of them. And I think that uh, uh, as a society, we must be aware of that and we must take our responsibility and make sure that, all those role models are are there so that everyone feels they are respected. And seen indeed. Exactly.
2: Well, I think that's the perfect bridge to the next part because uh, what we actually wanted to uh, ask Harjar more about is indeed... What is it that we're talking about? Representation, role models, imaging, what are the the differences? What are the effects? Um, Hajar, you have uh, uh, prepared some numbers. I'm very happy that you get to share them because they're quite impressive, but also a bit much for me to uh, to all uh, remember. And I think that you're going to have no trouble spitting all the percentages out there. Um, But maybe let's start at the beginning, um, because we've been talking about representation now, but what is representation? How would you describe that?
1: I think there are two types of representation we have on the one hand we have quantitative representation that's about the amount it's about the numbers how many numbers do we uh, of women do we see on television for example how often are social groups such as ethnic minorities or people from the lgbti community been portrayed on on tv or online and on the other hand you have the uh, qualitative uh, representation and that's I think, an even more important part of representation because it shows us the way men and women and all and people are portrayed on TV. Is it a very stereotypical type of representation or uh, do you have different stories of women, of gay people, about people with a disability? Uh, or do we only see the uh, stereotypical story and, and person? So I think we should be aware of that. And in, in the research shows us that there are large differences in, in both in the quantitative and the qualitative representation of women and men in the media. We see uh, a bigger amount of white men in very different roles, uh, different stories. Uh, so you do not have only one story of this group in, uh, in society shown on television. We have noticed actually that the representation of women in news media has not really improved uh, compared with previous years. Everyone uh, is saying that they are very aware of this problem and still we do not see uh, more than a quarter of uh, of, of women in, in on television. And and, and the role they have in news media is only for 16% as an expert. And uh, women are also more often referred to as to their family role. So as the mother, like you said, the daughter or wife of someone. And for men, we only, it only happens for 4%. So I think the conclusion uh, that we can make is that we are slowly improving, but very, very slowly People of color, they are also very underrepresented in media. Only 9% in the news were people of color and also in a very stereotypical way related to crime or to slavery history.
2: Because of the color of your skin, you're suited to talk about slavery or or other topics. So it, it, it didn't really transcend, well, their biological makeup, I would say. I think it's shocking that the number of women in media is the same when i was 7 now that i'm 32 like 25 years al- along the line and nothing has really happened no no because it, indeed this this project
1: is uh, is has been running actually from 95 and every 5 years there is a research worldwide in 145 countries these numbers are about a very large group of the world. In, in that
2: sense, it is very shocking. It's yes. yes. very slow change. Are these numbers familiar to you,
3: Baba? For me, they are. It's sad, even. I'm really happy with Women Inc., I'm also familiar with Women Inc., but I think it's also really sad that we still live in a world and a country where Women Inc. is needed. Because we are all equal and it's it's crazy to think about that. And in advertising, you see the same pattern. I think we also really have a job to do as a society. I'd say <laughs> yeah.
2: less than one, would you say 9% Hajar? So 9% of people in, in the news are of color, are people of color. So that would mean if you have a group of 10 friends... Not even one would be a person of color represented in the media.
1: I think even uh, because 24% of people in the Netherlands have a migration background. So it is not even proportional uh, when you only see 9% of them within migration background. So that should be far more if you want a proportional representation. The the problem is this whole stereotypical way of representation. And um, I think writer Chimamanda Adichie said it very simply and but very effectively she says that the problem with stereotyping is not that they are untrue but uh, that they are incomplete And
2: they make from one story the only story. So we should be very aware of this. Remco, do these numbers sound familiar to you? Is it uh, even more shocking or is it different for the LGBTI community?
0: Well, I think it's similar. uh, If you talk about uh, color or if you talk about the LGBTI representation, Uh, for example, if you look at films, like if you look at Hollywood, for example, I think it's, of course, we've passed the time where white actors played actually actors, uh, people of color by using blackface. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I hope we don't see that anymore. But still you see, for example, for a long time, which is a bit more nuanced, like LGBT characters played by cis straight people. And I think now, for example, with a series like Pose, you now for the first time see the trans community represented by people that are in their real life also trans. And I think that's also really important. And then, for example, complimenting an actor being cis and being straight, playing very well how to be gay. And it's like, because he, he played his feminine side so beautifully. Well, that's, again, stereotypical. Not every gay guy is feminine. Um, and I think it's beautiful now, for example, here in the Netherlands, that we have Spangas, like a youth series, where they've now implemented a non-binary character Played with an actual non binary person in real life, uh, Thorn Vineyard, Roos de Vries. And that's for me what representation is all about that you reflect upon what is your stage to take. And I think that's really important if you look at the workplace, for example, that I am asked quite often to join panels like these. And for me, it's necessary that there is at least one person of color. I'm not going to be in any panel anymore with only white people. And having such a necessary point up front gives the organizer the responsibility to look further than their own white network because we tend to attract people that look like us. Me, myself, as a white person, also my network is more white than of color. Um, So I think that would be really helpful if we would say... Like I'm not going to participate in any all white panels anymore or all man panels, yeah. et etc, or all straight panels or
2: all able bodied or, or uh, you again, have enough yeah. opportunities to diversify your networks, your events, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have another question for you, hajar, because well you you talked about quantitative and qualitative representation. Um, what happens or what does it mean for people to be misrepresented or underrepresented? What are the facts of, well, either not seeing yourself uh, in higher management, in the media, uh, in sports, or uh, seeing someone who looks like you but is characterized in such a way that you cannot relate to them? What what happens then? Well, I, I want to
1: begin with what happens if you are misrepresented or if there is a underrepresentation i think the, the main point is that whether you see a, a stereotypical uh, person or way of representation or you do not see anything at all in the case of stereotypes the problem is that for example for gender the that women are uh, we we expect women to be sweet uh, caring beautiful and uh, men to be uh, more dominant performing and assertive And by enlarging this image, at some some point, this becomes all you can be. And if you want to get out of your own box as a man or a woman, it does something to us unconsciously. And uh, we can't immediately put that into the image that we have, uh, that you should be, and we will react differently. So I think this is the biggest thing that happens is that you can't be yourself and maybe we should all ask ourselves if there was no gender role, if the only thing we could be is a human being, what would you do differently? If you wouldn't identify with one of those gender identities, what what would you do differently? And a lot of women say that they would be uh, maybe less caring or they would say their opinion uh, out louder or do things that people won't expect of them. So it really... um, limit your your beliefs and your uh, yeah the way you interact in life and in in the society. I think this is one one thing. And another thing is that if there is in, in not a representation, and we see that especially with Asian society in, in the Netherlands, there is zero representation of them in in the in the Dutch media. And that means that the stories and the images there are created over this uh, this community. They will not reach that community or a large part even of, of the public. And, um, and 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 this media party and this story will become less relevant in our society. So I think it's very important for media makers to keep up with, with the changes in society and with the real stories of the people themselves. And Remco also said it. It has to be told from your own uh, narrative, from different perspectives, not from... Uh, the stereotypical way of thinking you have about a, a certain group?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, I, I would in that sense say that I'm lucky enough not to necessarily feel confined in who I'm supposed to be as a woman in such a sense that I can live freely, but I cannot imagine how how difficult it must be if you indeed feel that you are limited in how you can be and how you can act and how you can work and live if you feel that you have to live up to this standard uh if you always have to be the the proud black man and you don't feel like a proud black man or you always indeed have to be the caring mother and you're like well today i just hate my kids and i don't want to talk to them and i think it's it's um impressive how much of an impact representation in in all Industries can have on you as a person,
1: and I think what what I uh, would like to add is um, the theater group uh, Boys Won't Be Boys. They really show us how it is for different men to grow up in in this in this box or in this box of how to be a man uh, in society and and in in family how that makes them and how they get out of those boxes and i think it's a
2: very inspiring uh, thing to go to boys will be boys boys won't be boys boys. sorry Uh, we'll be sure to put it in the show notes of the podcast also if people are more interested um let's indeed now also look at because of course this is not the the best starting point, not the most uh, optimistic uh, situation <laughs> that we're in. But let's talk about how you can then change that because, uh, uh, well, also, uh, Hajar with Women Inc., I think you're all three working on changing this narrative and changing the numbers and getting ben- better percentages out of this. Baba, if I could start with you. I looked at the website of Hammerfest and it says that you create communications campaigns that everyone can relate to. What does it mean if, if everyone can relate to them?
3: Again, the representation thing, so that people see themselves within the, within the images you share as a brand. But next to that as well, uh, the use of uh, stereotypes. And when we develop campaigns, we are really aware of stereotypes we use. And just a bit similar to what Haji just said, that negative stereotypes have a huge influence on persons. Uh, the impact is way higher than positive stereotypes. So we develop content on um, which people don't feel excluded, where people can also yeah, recognize themselves. And I think that don't feel excluded is the most important thing because uh, sometimes we have content with people, with a cast. Uh, and then, of course, you have the opportunity to really choose the talent you're working with. But sometimes it's also really product-focused for example, we also work for the dairy products like Mona. It's really typical Dutch Yeah, dairy I, I, I saw
2: them. And I'm thinking, how do you make Mona yogurt inclusive?
3: Yeah, it is, it's a product. And sometimes we work with, with crew, with talent. And then, of course, it can be more diverse also with talent you use. But it's also really on which insights you use to make the communication. And uh, to really tap into, for example, a behavior or a moment which... Doesn't ex- exclude a typical typical group, so a uh, specific group. Sorry, so uh, uh, that's really within the process, and to make sure that we achieve that, we also really work with a diverse team. So we really need to, we want to make sure that we have the different perspectives, uh, just to be sure that you, yeah, everyone has biases. I also have biases. So yeah. if you are aware of them. Uh, 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 one of the things you can do is make sure that the group you're working with is diverse, but then still you will have biases, mm-hmm. uh, but also with our testing groups. So sometimes we also test our content or campaigns. And then again, we are really looking to, okay, to whom we are showing it and uh, uh, who are those people and what is what are their backgrounds, just to make sure that uh, we don't exclude people and that we really make the content inclusive.
2: And so do you because you just said it a lot of it hangs on the uh process. Yeah. Um do you um uh do you then have a checklist that when you start you go, okay, right, we have a new campaign. This is the client, this is what they want. And do you have a checklist or points or something that ensures that you uh focus on being conscious in your decisions and how you and how you then actually create that campaign.
3: Yeah, we have a process. It's also the regular creative process with reviews. And then during the reviews, we are also really flagging possible missteps in regards of the content. It's important for brands to make the shift if you want to be relevant tomorrow. Because society is really changing. The Netherlands is changing. Uh, In 2050, we will have nearly 40% with a, like the CBS says, with a migration background. And it's just the first and the second generation. So Mm -hmm. that means that the third generation is not even in those numbers so the Netherlands is really changing and if you want to stay relevant for the Netherlands yeah you need to be really aware of that and not only when looking to people of colour but also LHTBE plus or uh, gender or everything
2: Is that is that something that you also bring to uh, clients with Corporate Queer? If you want to stay relevant then uh, you need to work with me and I will I will show you how we can do things better
0: The strategy that I always use is to try to climb as high in the hierarchy as you can get so I, when I'm like for example asked to do a training in a company it's sometimes on a voluntary basis uh, but you actually want to attract the people that Do not like to talk about this topic, or uh, do not know yet that they are biased. So how do you bridge that gap towards the norm, towards the majority? And I think it really helps if, like for example, a CEO, which mostly still are white straight men, then invite me personally over, saying, "We have invited Remco from Corporate Queer to teach us about the alphabet. We don't know what all the letters stand for. I don't know it either." but Remco is going to help us and I want to become an ally. And I think that vulnerability, that willingness to learn really creates a safe atmosphere and also creates... yeah, It it makes it possible for all the workers there to open up as well because I think... Especially in, in current society, like you have to have an, an eye for the full employee—not only the work that they're doing, but the, the human behind it. Especially during Corona times, like I hope that inclusive leaders will ask their employees, like, "How is it going? Like, um, are you surviving?" And I see that some people do ask these questions, and some people. Um, because now we've been become so effective in, for example, our Zoom and, and team meetings that we sometimes skip the chit chat. But I think especially in these digital days, these are the most important things to check in with each other and to see if we're doing well. Because most of us no, are no, and
2: not. Uh, I can I, I agree. People people are more than their work, and people are indeed more than the stereotypes that you see on TV. So becoming mindful of bias, becoming mindful of and well, what I also like what you say is the vulnerability. Uh, because indeed, if companies if CEOs come to you and say, "I don't know it either," could you help us out? That's quite vulnerable. Yeah. But I can also imagine with you, Baba. Uh, so, in my mind, the people that come to to Hammerfest to work with you are people that are already interested in creating more inclusive communications. But I can imagine sometimes. that sometimes they just think it's a great company and they don't they don't know that aspect, so they like you for the advertising, but they don't know the the social DNA that you have. Do, do you then sometimes get people who are scared of, of becoming vulnerable in the process and who are like, well, I'm not sure if this is for us?
3: No, I think that for us, the most important thing is that they are open for the process. And uh, just like you said, if you don't want to learn, if you don't want to shift, if you don't want to change what you're doing, then in the end, maybe it's better to find another agency. But if you are uh, willing to create cool campaigns and to really transform the way you communicate as a brand and to become more inclusive in this way, then we are there to help you. And of course, with a corporate, it's not just an overnight thing. So then it's like a marathon, but it's okay. If, if we see a progress, then it's okay. And then we can just go into that together. And I think that's something we are really focusing on. So really step by step.
2: Because I, if I would say for us, this talk about vulnerability, like I said in the beginning, we are thinking of how can we contribute to a more inclusive society. What it is, what is it that we could do? But we haven't, well, we haven't found the holy grail yet. We're not sure as to okay, this is the route that we're going to go on. Um, so how do? Because I'm sure that you have companies who have to deal with that as well. They're yeah. like, well, oh, I want to change, but I don't know exactly how. What, what, what do you tell them? What do you advise them?
0: I mostly advise companies to have have a specific strategy to create a safe workplace for their employees and to create a safe image or a safe atmosphere for their clients. Uh, Because I think both need, for example, a report system that, for example, if I'm going to a bank as a client and I've not been, my pronouns are not accepted, or I don't know, I feel discriminated in any way, that there is a report system that I can anonymously say, this was not okay. But also you want that for your employees as well. If your manager is treating you wrong, that you can go beyond your manager and report it anonymously. So I think you need for inside the company and outside the company, you need a different strategy and both are as important.
2: And so you would very specifically split them up. Yeah. You have your workplace strategy and you have your well company strategy in that sense,
3: the, the outside world strategy. Baba, what would you advise us? Yeah, we are really focused on the advertising side of it.
2: Yeah, so that would, for us, that would be the company side. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yeah. And uh, at the end, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we need to create change. We need to shift. I think it's like a paradigm shift. We are going through a society on all different aspects. And uh, uh, I think it's a process and be vulnerable and just go through it and just uh, uh, to have conversations with people just like this, but also with the students, with the hotel guests, with everyone just to really understand the problem and just to see how the company can take their responsibility in that place.
1: I also think we should be aware of asking people of, of this whole this idea of vulnerability is very important, but you have to ask an ad expert or someone who who is open to answer and knows about it and not, not only think that everyone from uh, for example to want to know more about queer people you should not go to a randomly person and ask them about their uh, sexual orientation or ask people of color how it is to be someone of color in in this company because uh mm-hmm. not everyone is expert on this team and this is um i would say sort of pitfall of where we are now with this discussion and we think that Diversity. Everyone who is diverse in a way should know uh, everything about these uh, themes, and that is not the case. I think we should be aware of this. I, I think I also think that the, the it's a process. And Baba and uh, Remco both also said it. Inclusive organization is a, a process of uh, falling and getting up. I think the way Women Inc. does this is on the one hand, the masterclasses, we give masterclasses to boards, but also to the executives and also to other employees in, in the organization. And on the other hand, you want to make change in people in decision making um Positions. And I think discussions as these are also very important so people can learn from them. But so then,
2: um, uh, Hajar, if I understand you correctly, because, well, like I said, we're also trying to use this as an opportunity to learn. You would say, in our case, try to get input from your community because they are the ones that uh, stay with you, live with you, are very interested in what you're doing. But don't necessarily expect every person of color, every woman, every less able person to have an opinion about what you're doing here because. It's unfair to expect that from them and and indeed also uh, don't shy away from going to experts and and change makers uh, because not everyone uh, wants to have or should have an opinion on everything that we're doing.
1: And, and maybe it makes it easier if you ask yourself, would I ask this question also to a uh, straight white man? To uh, media makers, we say, we tell them that if you uh, prepare your interview with a woman, for example, why is this question about her family, her family role, or how she combines family and work life? And why do you put this question back in this interview? Is it because she's a woman or would you also ask this to a man? And If that's not the case, then you should scratch the the, the question. And that is also for if you want to ask people you, you do not know so well in your workplace or on the streets, be aware of... The type of question you ask, is that from a sort of bias, sort of prejudice you have about these people, or is it a normal question you
2: ask everyone? Yeah, so, well, it sounds quite simple because it's basically think before you speak, <laughs> I'd say. I think that's something that we were already raised with, so I'd say if we keep that in mind, we should be okay.
0: But it's uh, it also has a lot to do with your education and the of wording that you, that you have knowledge of. So, for example, I think also we should always try to correct each other and and better each other. So, for example, I heard you just using the word less abled. I'm not sure if that's the the right wording, for example. I would say uh, people living with disabilities or disabled people uh, versus ableism. So I think, like, in all these little moments, uh, we can learn from each other. Um, I also hear a lot of people making mistakes with the LGBTI initialism it's difficult. And of course we add a lot of letters every time. <laughs> um, but that's change. That's moving forward. And that's uh, educating ourselves continuously. And I think Hajar made a beautiful comment. Like, I love to do that. It's my profession nowadays. I get paid for all the explanations uh, I give. But on the other hand, there's also Google. Um, you can educate yourself very easily Um, Because indeed, not every queer person, not every person of color uh, wants to tell them their marginalization experience, open their wounds in front of you. Because, yeah, some people experience a lot of microaggressions on a daily basis and others don't. Um, and that's why some people
3: react sometimes a bit emotional. I totally agree with you that it's also about educating and everything. But I also think that language can be a pitfall, because sometimes language can also be the barrier that people have those conversations. And I think it's also important that we go through that and that we go, that we create a safe space. If we really want to have the conversation, sometimes you have to go through the, through the language and mm-hmm. to, through that barrier, because otherwise some people also are a little bit afraid to speak out. But It's needed to learn and to go to the to the next stage. I also totally agree it's about educating and it's about learning and it's about a process and language is part of that education for well, sure.
2: I think you need to do it with a certain level of respect. I think indeed if you, well, like you just said, you, you now say, I'm not sure if you should use less abled. I remember that I uh, you used to say disabled and then someone said, yeah, but that sounds very negative. But okay. then if you correct me on this that I shouldn't automatically feel offended and that you should think of it, okay, we're trying to do the right thing we're trying to be respectful and mindful and if you then make a mistake yeah that that can happen but be willing to learn but that is of course different than uh refusing to change pronouns or to use exactly. different pronouns
3: yeah. so that's that's a that's that's the thing yeah that's th- I think because that's if you very don't much want the... to change it yeah and it's no but yeah that's that's yeah for sure yeah
2: stubbornness is not the same no, as, as exactly. willingness but not necessarily knowing what to do so, so after today, we're we're gonna uh, walk out of here, and we're gonna edit the podcast, podcast, and share it, and say yes, we've started our learning journey. But we, of course, actually also want to do something very concretely because we're an action-oriented company. So, what do you think we should start with tomorrow? What's the first thing that we should do when? Well, I, I was about to say when we walk back into the office, when we walk back into the Zoom or the Microsoft Teams meeting. What's the one thing that you would say? At least start with this for as as TSH.
3: Have conversations also with the team and really open conversations. It can also be on Zoom. It can also be on Teams. Just talk with each other and learn from each other's perspectives.
2: Learning from each other's perspectives. Remco?
3: Yeah, I think it's indeed great to get
0: people out of their comfort zones. I think it would be really interesting if, for example, your highest CEO would go into weekly conversations with... The students that you have here that he makes, he, she, they, I don't know, the gender of your CEO, <laughs> but if they make one hour a week free for a courageous conversation with one of your students, I think that would be, I would watch it. I think that would be gr- a great weekly interview.
2: Yeah. So very much on the company level also hear what the people who we are doing all of this for think of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially not the people that have the task to do it, but the people no. that represent maybe the norm and lead the company and have the responsibility.
2: Nice one. And Hajar, what would you say that we should start right away? Uh, I agree with both. And I
1: would add to that that conversations with uh, students because you have a a very international background and ask them what do they miss? What do they would love to see more, do more? Uh, Do they feel safe and brave in this student hotel? And on the other hand, on organizational level, How is your representation? How is your diversity in amounts, but also in quality? So have this mirror for yourself and try to reflect on your own uh, organization.
2: Great. If uh, some of our listeners or if I myself, uh, when I get home tonight, want to read up on this and immediately start or want to look at something or uh, anything that can get me started on learning more about representation and doing my part, what would you advise me to read, look, look listen. Well,
1: that's a good one. I have some things, but they are in Dutch. The first thing that comes in mind, what is in English, is the TED Talk of Kanwen Xu. I Am Not Your Asian Stereotype. I think that's a very interesting story to listen to if you want to know what imaging on television does to uh, people, their self-images. For the Dutch listeners or people who do understand Dutch, I think the podcast, uh, The Plantage for my but also four outers is is one which we teach you a lot about the slavery history uh, and and the story from the dif- diverse perspectives in in the Netherlands I think if you want to watch something about intersectional feminism which is very interesting because of the layers of, of being a woman you can be a woman and you can be a woman of color or you can be a woman and you can be queer and go on and go on. Then you have to watch the F words of uh, human documentary series, uh, which has uh, four episodes. And I, I think Pose is for media makers, maybe very interesting and Bridgerton to see what it does to people and to, to the information you get, you get when you, when you have a very diverse cast and, uh, and, and people who write the story and people before the scenes and behind the scenes I think that's two very inspiring series.
2: Well, that's a very good list. We'll be sure to add it to our show notes. Baba, what would uh, your advice be? What can you share that we should read, listen, look?
3: Yeah, I have two suggestions. Uh, The first one is also a TED Talk. And I I don't remember the name of the woman who was giving the TED Talk. And I also know that she was in the news the last couple of weeks, not in a really good way. But I think that this,
2: this is a build up. Yeah, but I think <laughs>
3: that uh, if you want to know more about role models and perspectives, uh, it's really good to see this TED talk because it's really explaining it in a clear way. And it's called Danger of a Single Sided Story.
2: Yeah. Okay. So then I can tell you who was the speaker because that's Chimamanda and Gozi Adichi.
3: Yeah. But there was something with her.
2: Oh, that I haven't seen. I only saw very happy Instagram photos.
3: Because she was also the quote in the beginning of my next suggestion. And it was a book. That's Wit Huiswerk. Yeah. And it's a book about uh, racism, uh, systematic racism in the Netherlands. uh, But also really explaining on, for example, role models or code switching or different elements. It's really an eye opener.
2: Definitely uh, add those to the list as well. And for you, Remco?
0: Well, talking about vulnerability, of course, the queen of vulnerability is for me, Brene Brown. Uh, love her. also love her podcast. In terms of trans representation in the media, I would watch Disclosure mm-hmm. on Netflix with Laverne Cox. Because I think it's an, a helpful distinction between international and national. On a national level, I would definitely follow Thorn Vineyard, Roos from Spangas, and also their partner, Mandy. They form a beautiful couple, also with a beautiful podcast called uh, Couple Goals. Uh, really inspiring. And lastly, I would name Aloke, who is also a non-binary artist, uh, fashion designer, Uh, friends with Sam Smith uh, I saw on Instagram (laughs) Um, but they are really inspiring also in their TED Talk Uh, so definitely uh, follow aloke.
2: Great, so people we can follow on Instagram, TED Talks we can watch, books we can read Okay, I think this should get us up to speed on representation and how we can do our part. Great Um, As a final question that I have to all three of you because we've been talking about representation and uh, why it is important to relate to people that Look like you, act like you, etc. Who are your own role models? Remco, who's your who do you look up to? Who's your role model?
0: My biggest role model currently is Sam Smith. I think they have been very important in normalizing they them pronouns being non-binary. Uh, but also I I think also a lesson from today is like we wouldn't have that um, misconception around what is the right wording around ableism if we had someone here working on that topic as well so i I try to find also uh, people living with disabilities on social media follow them because you see a lot of uh, representation nowadays or not a lot but a bit more uh, with people living with disabilities uh in for example vogue or on um, huge campaigns and i think that's also a great step ahead so i try to follow them to educate myself further as well
2: yeah so not just the big superstars but also the folks that are not necessarily in the in the picture but yeah. also
0: working on change. no it's not about the amount of followers to that you need to create change
2: definitely hajar who's your role model right now or ever ever i think my grandmother because of
1: her story, she came from Morocco, she lived in the Netherlands, she was... Everything is possible for her and she she also always learned me from, that everything is possible to achieve. And uh, nothing was too big or strange when I told her my plans or whatever. And I think that's so important because recognition is, is important. So the role model has to be someone, not always, but someone who looks like you and who has the same values as you, for example, and believes in you and
2: empowers you. So that's for me, my grandmother. Very good one. Uh, that's Baba, a beautiful one. Yeah, I was like yeah. to say it's a really nice one. Baba, who's your role model?
3: Already for quite some time, but uh, Barack Obama. Because the wow. way he connects people, the way he can inspire people, the way he created change, one of his uh, main words, I think. Yeah, uh, it, it's really inspiring and it's really something uh, I admire.
2: Have you already finished his memoirs?
3: Yeah, yeah I did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's quite impressive. It's 800 pages,
3: isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I did. But it's also, yeah, I did, yeah. Nice. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 uh, yeah, I don't know, It's it's... Just also the first black president of yeah. the United States with the history they have, with his name, which had a lot of criticism in uh, in the US. And it's really, yeah, I was a bit disappointed by the last four years. But I think uh, it's, it's, we need again, Obama.
2: Mm-hmm. I, w- I would definitely agree. So that brings us to the end of the very first episode of TSH Unravels. I'd like to thank our speakers, Hajar, Baba and Remco for sitting down with me today. I greatly enjoyed our conversation and I hoped you liked listening to it. Now, I'd like to direct you to our show notes because everything that they shared, from the books to the articles to the videos and the Netflix series that you should be watching, will be listed there. And we hope that you check it out and uh, see for yourself how you can contribute to Act on Representation. We also want to hear from you. So in those show notes, you will find an email address where you can send your questions to, your your feedback your input or your ideas on topics that we should be unraveling next we like to hear from you and we will be waiting anxiously by our inbox to see what you have to say that's it for now thanks for listening until next time